Hello and welcome. Episode 13. This is my lucky number. Lucky number 13. Today we've got a really special episode for you because we're at the end of the year and we'll be talking about our favourite films, TV series, arts, culture, stories, books, music. We've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) And to do that, we're going to make it even more special for a little end of year fiesta with our Man About Town. (laughs) The segment star is joining us for the whole episode. Hello. You don't have me for 10 minutes now. You have me for a full 40 to... 60 minutes. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> this is Culture Bites coming to you from the national news. I'm Inas Rifari. I'm Far Andrews. And I'm Manjalal. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so here we are. Um, we're going to talk about books, first of all. What a is, year. <laughs> your favourite subject. Year. My favourite topic. Then how many books off. did you guys read? Oh, I will kick you off. How many books did you guys read this year? Three. I've already read about 20. Okay, oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. I have children. Yes, I listen, have you, a but busy re- life. You probably read the same book over and over again to the kids. Yeah, you yeah. read way more books. So, yeah, yeah, I've read loads of Julia Donaldson. I'll also yeah. be, full disclosure, total honesty, some of that 20 asterisks will be audiobooks that I've listened to to and from work. I mean, listen, I think that is that is reading. Okay, that is 100%. Of course, because so before probably, books, we all sat around the fire and listened to stories. And that's yeah, storytelling. That's reading. So, that's reading. so 50, like, like 50 50 then? Yeah. Roughly a book a month, audio book a month. What a nice, that's a nice ratio. It is. Oh, God, I feel so uncultured right How now. How about you? You're probably like 45. No, like 41, oh, okay. 42. Okay. I mean, that's, I mean, <laughs> I. <laughs> pull that number uh, out of nowhere. <laughs> it's actually, I read a lot more during lockdown because that's all. Yeah. I mean, I try and do like a book. Every I'm a very fast reader, and I usually have an audio. I, I just yeah. So I usually try and do a lot, all, uh, as many books as I can. But this year was so narrow, uh, narrowing that down. Yes, forty one, forty two to maybe forty five um, must have been tricky. So who, what was your book it of the was. year? So my book of the year was the book that was the most unexpected that I liked, mm-hmm. and it's not a fiction book. It's a memoir, and it's Julia Fox's memoir, Down the Drain. Ah. So you guys know Julia Fox, right? Yeah. yeah. So people know her as Kanye West's yeah. like girlfriend for a month or whatever. I know her as uh, Sandberg's, no? Yes. Muse. Uncut. I know yes. her for her <laughs> interesting fashion. Yes, exactly. So it's interesting because we all know her for something. Is she a meme? Is she a fashion girly? Is she like a rapper's girlfriend for a month? Is she a muse? Is she a muse? And I thought like, I assumed, never make assumptions, that she's like some privileged rich girl who just hangs out with these famous people and became famous. But no, when I read or listened to her memoir, Down the Drain, she's actually an Italian immigrant to America. She was born in Italy, left Italy when she was six or seven. Her family, she comes from a very, um, what is the word, like low socioeconomic kind of background. Her family life was very, very difficult. She like ran away from home at 15. She lived between Italy and New York for a long time. She um, had a lot of friends that were very involved in like the party scene, the drug scene in New York in the early 2000s. And what's really interesting is that she was, she's, our generation, so she, I kind of got to read from her perspective how the internet kind of came into her life oh. with, the, with the messaging apps. What was it called? MSN Messenger, yeah, yeah. MySpace, and she was. It was so fascinating hearing her talking about. All oh, my friends are on this thing called MySpace. What is MySpace? And it's one of the first times I'm reading about somebody from our generation, our age, discovering that. You mm. know. Wait a second. Are we old enough now to be looking? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're museum now. <laughs> yeah, we are. Oh. We are. We are a period drama. 
Oh, With no. the late 1900s, babes. So the book is the book about her life. It's about her life from childhood until like she actually, quote unquote, made it uh, in Uncut Gems. And and you kind of realize that she's also an artist. She's a photographer. She, she's been through a lot. A lot of her friends, unfortunately, um, succumbed to addiction issues. She had a really difficult childhood, like I said. And she always funneled it somehow through art. She's had a lot of addiction issues herself. And she's so, so open about all of this stuff in a very... Um, not in in your face way, but in a very upfront way without making a big song and dance. But she's not playing a victim in it, which I thought was mm. really interesting. It's just a very like... It's quite disarming. Very, yes. And what I really respected about her is that she has dated a lot of A-list celebrities, but she never mentions them. Even Kanye West's name is not mentioned. She was like the rapper, or she'll mention okay. A-list actor, or A-list singer. So it's not really about, it's not sensational, it's just her mm-hmm. saying her story. So I thought it was a really interesting perspective about on, and I think it's a kind of memoir that's gonna be more interesting as time goes on. It's kind of like a, a window into society in New York at a particular time, mm-hmm. and a particular like, you know, RT kind of um, internet cool, time in New York. So yeah, I found it very fascinating. Fun. I'm going to read it. You should, and honestly. I, read it, I mean, I like listening to, audi- to autobiography, so I will listen to that another here. And, and she, she does the, the narration she herself. I love that. So that is my good. absolute favorite. Yeah. I really love audiobooks, and I love it when the author is narrating. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell always does that. Oh, he does? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Uh, Farah, go on then. My favorite book this year was it was actually released last year, so does that mean I'm a cheat? Does that mean I'm a fraud? I don't no, know, no. but I read it this year. Um, it's called Careering by Daisy Buchanan. Now, this book... Is it your girl boss era? It's not deep. <laughs> <laughs> but, my goodness, did I resonate with this book. It is about... So it's a, it's about career. It's about... It's, it's, um, it's fiction. Mm-hmm. And it's about an intern in the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of like a split narrative. And then, like the boss in the narr- uh, the publishing industry. So then they're both working in magazines and it's written by a journalist. So there's it's accessible for people that aren't in the industry because they will just kind of enjoy these like lives, these two women living in London, ups and downs, mm. romantic work, pressure, family pressure. That's all very relatable, quite, yeah, accessible, great. I read it, it was literally like reading <laughs> things I will have written as an intern or a junior journalist like with my frustrations. And then the kind of conversations that the um, editor's having are kind of like the things in my head now that are like constant frustrations. I was like, Mm -hmm. my goodness, this is like a window into my career. (laughs) (laughs) And it felt, yeah, reading it, there was like so much that I resonated with. And it's funny, it's sad, it's not at all intense. It's a holiday read, but it's brilliant. So, and it's by British author, it came out last year, careering. And you can probably devour it in a day. Man will probably devour it in 15 minutes. Um, But it's, yeah, it's very, if you have worked a minute in journalism, particularly in magazines or lifestyle journalism. publishing. You are going to, yeah, you are going to be like, goodness me. That Um, sounds really good. It sounds like it could be a good show or movie as well. Does it have that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. It's very, it is very visual and kind of like the descriptions for sure. There are parts of it when they're, this is very niche and nerdy, but they're literally talking about like, the editor gets annoyed at the intern for writing a story that's a thousand words and she's like, no one raise that! (laughs) 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 It's like this heartbreaking whole thing about, and it kind of goes into like, like lightly on analytics and how it's like this pressure on everyone's shoulders constantly. I was like, oh my goodness, the burden. But um, did you feel seen? 
Yeah, my, yeah, that is it. I felt seen. So um, yeah, that was my choice. I read it on a flight. That sounds good because the Devil Wears Prada novel is not very good. The movie's brilliant, but the novel's not good. And I always want to read a novel about the world that you know we yeah. all. Yeah, work actually, in. just it feels like um, as a window into like what it's like to work at a women's magazine at the moment. I mean, I've not worked at Women's Magazine for five years, but I still work in publishing, obviously. So, yeah. Cool. I might read so, it. I'm going to say uh, my book of choice. Please. So, I, since moving to the UAE, mm. it's been recent, I've joined a book club. Oh, cool. Because that's what you do. It's a nice, nice way to meet people with yeah. mutual interests and also to get you reading. To get me reading, because as you both know, I find it quite difficult. Um, and the first book we chose was Yellow Face, mm-hmm. which I know you've read as well. Yes, I loved it. it was good yeah, book. and it was by it's by R. F. Kuang, and it's a book basically about a woman who steals a book from another woman. Ooh. Yeah, it's quite interesting. So there's this Asian American author who's written a book about China mm-hmm. um, from an Asian American standpoint. And she unfortunately, it happens quite quickly, so I'm not giving away any spoilers, but she unfortunately passes away very quickly. Mm -hmm. But she's in the company of her very super duper white friend who finds the manuscript and decides to just present it as her own piece of writing. Right. And so then we get into this whole kind of like race thing with writing, with publishing, but also about this woman who is then masquerading as somebody who really understands Chinese and Asian culture, but she doesn't. And then you see the whole thing unravel from within this white woman's, like, vo- like it's, it's her it's her monologue that you're mm-hmm. hearing. And so often you disagree with her. And You disagree? Yeah, I disagree with the white mm. woman because, like, she, she is at times quite racist. To be fair, not defending racism here, but <laughs> what's interesting in the book is that the way, because R.F. Kuang is an Asian-American writer, yeah. and she's writing from the perspective of a white woman who steals a book from, from an, an Asian, Asian author. It was very Inception. It very, it very Inception. It but very what she does is, in, what she does. what I found interesting about the book is that she convinces us that the first draft that the Asian-American author wrote is not, it's great, but it's not, the best and the the edits that June I think yeah, her name June. is the, the white author does makes the book brilliant so you kind of start thinking well hang on a second who really wrote this book like it, it not who mm. wrote the book but who I mean she has a, you know she changed the book and it became even better so it's it makes you question a lot of things which it I like it makes you question everything I've got a copy of it. It's on my desk, oh, and I keep. Uh, it's like on my list of things. I'm, I'll read it over. I'm taking some time off in the near future, so I'll read it. You, <laughs> you will love it. Honestly, it's it's, it's, it's a quick really read because it's like so much stuff happens. I'm actually reading Arv Kwong's book that made her famous, which is called The Poppy Wars, ah. and it's completely different. So I'm listening to to her book now. I'm like, how did she write these two books? It's so different. Amazing. But yeah, yeah. Oh well, I'll definitely give that a go. But I really enjoyed Yellow Face. I, I it was it was um it was it was quite hated actually by the book club. Oh, oh I was really? The only person who really liked it. Yeah. But you two both loved it. Oh, yeah, I, we both liked I thought it. the ending wasn't The ending great, wasn't great. But it's a, it's a fun, you, you can't stop reading. Yeah. It okay. has that Da Vinci Code thing yeah. where you right. just want to keep reading, you know? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's kind of like the ending isn't amazing, but the book itself is like, I, I found it also like really, 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 really funny. Okay. Which, um, but yeah, other women in the book club didn't agree. But then that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it interesting. Let's talk film. Okay, let's talk film. 
Who goes first? I'll go first. You can go first. Okay. So my favourite film of the year, which isn't one that I've mentioned, because I mentioned Naga on an episode recently, and I re- that still is a standout movie for me, the Saudi film about a woman who gets like lost in the desert. It's brilliant. Um, definitely watch it. Um, the other film is one that I watched with my children, and I find it so difficult to just kind of like concentrate on kids' films because they are so tedious and I have to sit through so many of them (laughs) but I usually scroll over my phone but this one actually held my attention it's Leo and it's about a lizard who kind of just finds out he's about to die so he's got like this year to live and he thinks um, I'm going to escape Mm-hmm. So he's a pet. He's a pet lizard. Oh, but he's I've seen a, the trailer for this. It's so good. So it's a pet lizard who is in a classroom. Yeah, yeah. So he's in this classroom. He's been in this classroom since like a long, a long time. Six mm-hmm. years. He's been in this one classroom in this like glass box, mm-hmm. and he's seen all the children come and go, come and go, and then he just realizes, oh no, I've got one year left to live. I've How got... does he realize that? He just kind of like does the math. Lizards right, just okay. know. They just know. Don't overthink it, Farah. Yeah, don't overthink it. He also speaks, Farah. He speaks. That's that's not my problem. (laughs) That makes perfect sense. That makes total sense. But anyway, he decides he's going to escape. And then every day he goes, um, he kind of like every week he gets taken by another child. And then he realizes that he's helping all these children through their little issues that they're having. So all the children have different issues and he kind of helps them. He's a little support lizard. And then they just realize that he's actually like, you know, the backbone of the class. And he just, he didn't realize that he had this wisdom to give to these young children. So as I'm getting older. (laughs) (laughs) I know that feels, that sounds like a nice film. It's a really lovely film. film. Yeah. I watch it with my nephew. I think it's Adam Sandler, no? Who does the voice for the Yeah, Adam Sandler. Oh, he's come up twice today. Yeah. Uncut Gems. Oh, Uncut Gems. (laughs) The overarching theme. Um, Yes. so he's he's yeah he's in it I think he's also exec producer on it um, but yeah it's really really good so watch it um, let's go to another kids film I mean Is it's, it? it's a no it's I would you could take your children to it it's an animated film I am taking my yes. children to this yes you should so it's The Boy and the Heron I spoke about this on mm-hmm. the podcast before but I will speak about it from a different angle today Ooh. so I'll talk about it as as a film well, anyway for those of you who didn't hear the last episode I spoke about this it's a, it's a film by Hayao Miyazaki. he is 82 year old amazing Japanese animation director and the film is set in uh, World War II in Tokyo young man young boy whose mother um, dies uh, in the war he goes off to the countryside and is um, seduced by a heron bird to go into this tower uh, to find his mother enters into this like magical world. So that is like the gist of what the film's about. What I want to talk about today to do with the film and why I think it's so brilliant is that um, Hayao Miyazaki has made um, lots of films people have heard of, Spirited Away, um, Castle in the Sky, Howl's Moving Castle. And I think in this film, which is rumored to be his last film, like I said, he's 82, um, he kind of gives a message to the world about art, which I think is so cool. So when he made this film, he came out of retirement to make this film, he dedicated dedicated it to his grandchild. And it's a film to his grandchild. And you realized how, um, impor- how important that is to the film because usually his films always have a female heroine. Mm. But this film is one of his few that has a male heroine. And so you kind of understand straight away that he's talking to his mm, grandson through the so character. Beautiful. And at the end, and this is not giving anything away, um, the the young boy meets the sort of the man behind the curtain, sort of Wizard of Oz thing. And that's an old man who is, I think, in a way, Hayao Miyazaki talking to 
his grandson or the character and oh. telling him like you have a you have a choice to make in life you either do this or you do that and you know I'm here to sort of like help guide you in that choice so it's a really nice way for him if this is truly his last film like what a wonderful send off like mm. you see him in his top artistry as an artist because the animation hand animation is so stunning and mm-hmm. beautiful it's mm-hmm. like insane and also it's such a beautiful message to to give your grandson but also to the world because he asks us because um Jaime Yaki is a is a massive pacifist he's anti-war he didn't even go to the Oscars in 2013 uh, when he was nominated for Spirit Away because he was against the invasion of Iraq so he didn't go to the Oscars that year wow. in in protest yeah. so his message in that film isn't only to his grandchild but it's also to the world asking them like we need to look inward and think about what world we're building and what world we're leaving for our mm. children as well I so it's that. it's a oh. it's a beautiful film yeah beautiful. i've watched that again i'm probably gonna watch it a third time yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely i put it in the diary to go and watch that yeah i don't know sometimes these films can be a bit dark for my youngest how old are your youngest four yeah, there's some imagery there that's scary mm, for sure. Yeah, like yeah. the spirited away with the parents of yes, pigs. Yeah, <laughs> that really freaks my. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. this one has parakeets that are giant that like human meat. So fun. Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Farah. Farah. <laughs> oh, on, go that on note. Farah. Um, oh, so my famous favorite film this year. I thought about this a lot. I was obviously this year for film has been like kind of basically from May we haven't had the roster mm. of films that we were expecting, so it's been a lot less as like kind of big push. Like, re- films have been released but there have been a lot of things pushed back mm-hmm. did, was I going to go deep was I going to go heavy you're no, going to go far I went far and I went for the film that I did genuinely enjoy the most and it was Barbie mm-hmm. yes. and the film it was like an experience it was a cinema experience I liked that it was a it, cultural experience it was a cultural yeah. experience it was a big is the film perfect no does it make me irate that the worst thing that can possibly happen to Barbie is that she gets cellulite Yes, I don't like that as the theme. However, <laughs> and I don't think that's good for like it's girls not- and women to watch and hear. However, did I like the attention to detail? Yes. Did I like the light comedy? Yes. Did I like Ryan Gosling's Kennedy? Mighty big yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all can agree on that. Yeah. I think, and I just thought it was so funny. It wasn't. I think people tried to pretend it was this cultural moment. It was incredibly deep. It was life world changing. No. No. Did I just enjoy it? Because I thought it was just like an incredibly fun cinematic experience. I am genuinely glad that I saw like Barbie land enormous. Yeah. And it was nostalgic. Like when I was a little girl, I played with Barbies. I did not have a dream house because I really, 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 really wanted one. And my parents did not get me one. They got me a beautiful wooden dollhouse, which obviously was a much nicer thing to get. Was I raging because I wanted the yeah. plastic tat? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, we all were. I um, remember I really wanted one of those like plastic cars. They had like these. The plastic they, car. They had the car with uh, the actual lights. I really wanted the one. The caravan, the Barbie's camper van. Yeah. So she can go on a lovely little holiday with Ken. My, my parents got me the horse. That's quite nice though. Mm. Equine Barbie. <laughs> I liked <laughs> the, like the, like B characters being the like, old Barbies, the discontinued Kens. I, I, I really, I just thought it was very fun. It was a mess at times. Like the whole Will Ferrell bit is a mess, but... I, the whole what, sorry? Will Ferrell when he's the, yes, Ma- he's yes, the yes. Mattel boss. Yeah. That's chaotic and it didn't really make sense to me. But everything in Barbie land, I was in. Would you watch it again? Probably. Yeah. Okay. 
I want to watch it again just to see how I f- if I feel the same way or if I notice things because I think we were also so in the middle of the hype of yeah, Barbie. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of hype. So it, we were, I think, also. I remember just, being like, "Is it even coming to the country?" Oh yeah. yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. I was like, "It has to. I need it to." And then I was like, "Oh." Farah, who was the director of that film? A little known in fun. When we were talking about this before, I, was, I said Greta Thunberg. <laughs> common I mistake. Know it was Gerwig. But it's it a common Gerwig. mistake. Greta Thunberg's it's too busy to be directing films about Barbie. And do Plastic. you know what Greta Thunberg? Oh my God, I just did it. Greta Gerwig. Do you know what Greta Gerwig is, is, is directing next? Which I think is really interesting. We spoke. Is it Narnia? Yeah. Isn't Wait. that interesting? Yeah, she's. Directing uh, the new Nani film. I think he got it wrong again. No, no, it's Greta. Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. Is, is yeah. Filming. Yes. Did I say thumb? Oh my god, Greta, Greta Gerwig. I'm so sorry that I've put this out there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done to my brain? There's only two Gretas. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. But so uh, yeah, so she's doing the Nani. So that's going to be that's, interesting. Yeah, that will be interesting. Ah, well, that'd be really fun. I, I hope there's going to be hype around that because that's a really. I mean, that's one. Of, that was one of my favorite books. I like Same. Nani a lot. Same. Yeah. Should we talk television? Talk television. Go on, you go, Farah. Oh, I'll kick us off. I'm quite passionate about this TV show. I've spoken about it probably on here, to be honest. If you haven't seen this, where have you been? The Bear. The Bear. Series one, last year. Series two, this year. Series three? Hopefully next year. Um, Inshallah. (laughs) It's been renewed. It's it's coming. So I love everything about this show. I love that it's kind of 30-minute digestible episodes. Behind! I love that it's now I've adopted kitchen language in my own home. Behind. I love the, the the intensity, the drama, the chaos. It is not a relaxing watch. Don't watch it maybe if you've had a bad day at work. Um, it's have you you've watched it? No, you told me to watch. I haven't yet. And, and you, I worked okay, as a kitchen I'll, hand for a year yeah. at university, Did so you? it might trigger me. <laughs> oh, you, so I'll give a kind of elevator pitch. Jerry. Um, Jeremy Allen White plays Kami, who is a Michelin star quality chef in a New York kitchen. And he inherits his brother's um, kind of like, what's the American version of like fast food, easy family restaurant. Um, Kind of in the UK, it'd be like kind of greasy spoon vibe. And um, so it's about him coming in with his like incredibly high culinary standards, but then realizing that that isn't actually what people want. People want like family spaghetti. They want really good meat and it's an Italian it's Italian American family and so he's trying to in the first series he's trying to make a success of it um, as it was the restaurant mm-hmm. it was called Beef and then in the second series sorry to anyone to like close your ears if you haven't mm-hmm. watched series mm-hmm. one yet in series two he um, it, he they close the original restaurant and then they make it into their new kind of like middle ground of like incredible food but very accessible and it's amazing in series two there are extraordinary cameos we're talking olivia coleman yeah we're mad. talking jamie lee fox we're talking so like the, the guest stars are wonderful mm. john McHale, and they're very funny in their roles this show goes to copenhagen which i think is kind of globally acknowledged as like the foodie capital and they were just like the, the character arcs are all like so heartwarming the character of richie i genuinely like cried with happiness about his character's like progression in the show i just loved it and um the music is great the food looks incredible i want to eat all of it and (laughs) that is the end of my ted talk i like that pitch that was a good pitch i loved yeah i I really did enjoy bear i think that the way you describe the tension that was like nail on the head the christmas episode i mean the christmas episode seven seven fishes fishes if if you're just going to watch one thing just watch the christmas episode so it's not really about family 
like a family restaurant. It's more about like there are family. The family, family work elements. together. There are family elements, and then in the Christmas episode, they go to the main protagonist Kami's family, mm. um, and they see their crazy Italian Christmas, and it's my goodness, it's intense. Mm. Mm. So, okay, yeah, it's a lot, but it's good. It's really really good. Because your show is about family, isn't it? Yes. Oh, um, segue. Segue. <laughs> okay, so my favorite show is. Um, Succession, which came to an end this year. Mm-hmm. I think we've spoken about it before, but I just we, actually, in our, we haven't. We spoke about it in our pilot that never. Oh, the pilot that never aired. Yeah. Ah. Okay, so I'm going to talk about it now. Um. Yeah. No. Succession. Great show. If you haven't seen it, you have been living under a rock. But I. I respect that. Are you probably reading books like man? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's too much content out there, guys. There is. Yeah. There's a lot of content out there, but it's basically about a um, media mogul's family, and they're all just horrible, horrible characters trying to grab the throne of the patriarch of the family Mm -hmm. before he passes away. And we came to the end of that story in this last season. Um, And it was just chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. I took that from Bear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was just brilliant. And I think, like, it's a really... I did work for a little bit um, for the... uh, like within the like Murdoch bubble, it's kind of easy to do in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I, I just the rumors, just everything. And Succession is a Pazzo based on the Murdochs. Mm. Def- it's definitely like a inspiration. Go on then, man. Uh, my it, it was difficult. I had to think like which show I loved this year. Um, I was this close to picking The Real House of Beverly Hills, but I will save you guys from all of that. Um, and I picked instead. I wish uh, you had. <laughs> I wish you had spoken about it. Yes. Okay. So Wheel of Time fantasy um, series about a, a bunch of a group of friends, a found family, that get together and are trying to um, stop the evil guy from destroying the essence of time, basically. It's based on a really famous a 1990s series of novels uh, of the same name, but it has, it has it Rosamund American Pike. Is show? Okay. okay. Rosamund is it Pike. very fantasy then? It's very, 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 very fantasy. As, uh, as um, Amazon Prime, Rosamund Pike, she's brilliant. <laughs> she's such a good actress. She's an, she's an incredible actress. She's amazing. Um, and it's just that Game of Thrones vibe, right? Like right, politics, okay. fantasy... Um, otherworldly stuff, great acting. I'm surprised there's not been more hype. Like I said, there's too much content there's now. There's too much content. Yeah. There's too much content. Okay, so we're moving on then from television and we'll go and start talking about art galleries. Let's come to you first, man. This is your specialist subject. So it was hard to choose, but I there were so many great shows in the UAE this year, but the one that I really was like so amazed by is a show uh, exhibition at the Third Line Gallery by an Iraqi Kurdish artist called Hayef Kahraman and the show was called Gut Feelings and she is she painted these amazing uh, figures women who look like these old Persian oriental kind of uh, paintings figures mm. but paints them in this way that is reminiscent of the Renaissance poses so like mm. you know the Leonardo da Vinci poses with the hand up and the hand nice. gestures so she combines those two things and she talks a lot about instincts and gut feelings and it doesn't really matter what they're about they're just so such stunning works of art I, I got to interview her and we have some really great shots of the exhibition so google me uh, <laughs> and I have his name and you'll find the article and, and see the show Lush yeah um, Fari you've been see one of my favourite artists this year yeah I was so this was actually very very it was accidental and it was opportunistic um, we were in America in May and we were in DC for a day and um, we had planned to go to all the, the Smithsonian museums, which is not one museum, but it's many, many museums. Did you know that? Mm. I've not been. I haven't been, but I knew that. 
um, it's lots of different museums. So I had completely underestimated how much there was going to be to see. But obviously, I mean, you know, it, of course, there are multiple museums in Washington, D.C. I'm not daft. But I didn't know they were all under like, the same umbrella. So mm-hmm. I, when we, I was told we were going to Smithsonian, I was like, OK, it's one place. No, it is not. It is a lot. So we have not done the Smithsonian because there are so many of them. But Moving on. We were sorry. <laughs> we were wandering along, and we just—I just saw a big poster for um, a Yayoi Kusama. I'm hoping I'm saying her name right. You are um, exhibition, and it was just completely opportunistic. We went in to the Hirschhorn Art Gallery in DC, and she had—it was a, an exhibition. It was just on this summer. That is very good because when she did something at the Tate Modern recently, I had to book those. Four months in advance. Yeah, wow. she's her. So her work is extremely. It's like it's pretty accessible, right? It's there is the dot and art, uh, dot and light art. Mm. Um, so there was. You've seen it on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's. You've seen it on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's. There was five or six rooms with different installations. Some art, light. Some some light art. Some her big famous pumpkin or gourd with the black dots mm. that was there um and then what was really nice is there was like a timeline of her life so it kind of told her story and how she um started making art in japan then moving to new york and so it was a bit of a autobiographical exhibition as well kind of charting older works and newer works and it was brilliant and i felt very very lucky to have stumbled upon it nice um what so i'm you? gonna say as a new person to the uae and to Abu Dhabi, the Louvre. And Farah, I think it was like our first time we went there to go and see um, about scriptures and yeah. about the three Abrahamic faiths. And I think that like in these times where there's been so much upheaval, it's been actually something that I keep going back to is how the Abrahamic faiths are all interlinked and connected. And this like vision of peace mm-hmm. that the UAE is you know, massively part of. And I, I go back to that as like one of the things that really stood out to me yeah. this year. Um, so it meant a lot. Oh. Uh, it was really lovely. Um, and I still I still think about that exhibition actually now with all the turmoil that's going on. It's, mm. it's incredibly pertinent now. Yeah. Um, so moving on from that to music. music. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. So this is, uh, lots of people are going to be like, oh, it's really basic. Basic. Oh, so basic. <laughs> I get that quite a lot from like, you know, like music lovers who lo- I love dance music and house music. Um, I actually like a lot of music, but I always go back to Fred again and I can just, I can feel people's eyes rolling <laughs> because there's like a whole, it's become like a bit of a, it's become like a cold play of the dance world now. Right. He has had a year, right? This yeah. year. And everyone's like, oh, you like Coldplay? Oh, you, oh, mm. you like Fred again? It feels like the same tone. Yeah. And, but he's just good, okay? He's good. Um, I went to go and see him this year with my absolute besties um, in Glastonbury. Uh, and it was, it was a moment. And I keep going back to Fred again. And he really became a figure in my listening during COVID um, because it was like everybody, you know, people weren't going out, people weren't listening to music together anymore. And there was that song. Have you, have you guys heard it? No? No, it's just me. No, it's a dance song, but he just repeats, like, we've lost dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like a moment for me and my friends. It was just like, oh, God, have we lost dancing because of COVID? Yeah. And now we're like emerging again. And people are dancing. dancing. Yeah. So I listened to a lot of Fred again. And uh, this year seeing him was a really, really special moment. Oh. Yeah, what about you? Well, you just were like, oh, everyone's going to be like, I'm basic. I'm literally being like a stereotype <laughs> of myself, a caricature of myself. Um, <laughs> so, listen. Yeah, Taylor Swift re-released 1989 Oh, this year. what? Taylor? It Who's was. That? Um, 
I don't know if you've heard her. She's quite indie. Um, <laughs> it was a moment. It was beautiful. But Curveball, that's not my submission. Whoa. Oh. Because 1989 isn't technically an album from this year. It's a, it's a re-release. re-release. It's Taylor's yeah. version. So while, yes, it probably was the thing I listened to the most, we move. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Jessie Ware's That Feels Good. Nice. The album is just, it's a party. She has gone from being quite like, just very lyrical to like this very upbeat dance output, which I, ah, oh, every song is a party. The Pearls is amazing. I devour it. If I need to, I spend quite a lot of time driving to and from work. And if I, <laughs> if I need to just like come here, like, Pumped. I yeah, I turn to Jessie. Nice. She has some sad music from her older albums, but the that feels good is just it is a party. You can just imagine being in like a small club nice. in London and it is on. And it's it's great. Nice. Go man. So I'm a bit controversial because I don't really listen to music. It's mm-hmm. like contemporary music. Not because I'm cool, but because I just yep. I don't know, I just don't. <laughs> I, I I'm stuck in like eighties, nineties early 2000s and I just keep going back and finding artists from there that I'm interested in. I don't know why. I just I know Taylor Swift, but can I name three songs? Probably not. Yeah. You know, I don't even know who this guy you were talking about is. What's his name? Freddie? Fred again. Fred again. I, I've never heard. Again. So, um, Fred again. I've been listening a lot to Reba McIntyre, who is a country singer. I don't know if anybody knows her. She is quite famous in the country Do you know circles. who she's a really big fan of? Taylor. Do you oh, know who yeah. she has a crush on? Taylor's boyfriend. Do you know who she keeps talking about in interviews? Them both. So yeah, it so, comes from I mean, circle. Oh, yeah, wow. it does. <laughs> the and Venn she diagram is, overlaps. She is Kelly Clarkson's step-mother-in-law as well. Whoa! Yeah, so... Probably Kelly ex. Clark- yeah, ex. Mm, yeah. It's been a big... It's oh. been a separation. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about So this. I've been listening to her um, uh, greatest hits. Uh, and when I say listen to it, I mean I just go on YouTube and just do a playlist. I don't even have a Spotify. Like, I'm not... I'm really? Very, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. So you're, you're big in books, yeah? Yeah. 45-something books. Yes. So I something's got to give. Music. Yes, there we go. There you go. This is why we gonna... work together on one podcast. <laughs> we all bring something different, different. So when we, behind the curtain, we were talking, we kind of like ran our things by each other to make sure we didn't have too much of an overlap. And there was some, but not too much. Mm-hmm. You said, what, so you, you I, I thought you said Macklemore's greatest hits. <laughs> oh, and I the guy? was struggling to look at you. <laughs> Wait, Malcolmore, is he the guy that was married to Made in Chelsea Girl? No. no oh. That's I was, Professor Green. I was like, um, See, I don't know goodness, anything. I was like, I didn't even know he had a greatest hits. I didn't know that was your genre. What was it, like Thrift Shop? Thrift Shop is, is the only hit. Oh, the guy yeah. with the fur coat. Yeah. Right. So, no. if, honestly, thank goodness. Well, yeah, because I, I, in that Zoom, I did sense, I was like, oh, Ferris really not into really. Yeah, I, thought, I, thought, I thought she would be a bit, you know, because Taylor's was, roots are in country yeah, and music. And so. obviously, like, you saw my response when I actually heard what you were saying. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. it's a relief, honestly. Okay, I can I'm still glad. look at you the same way. We, be there's not going to be a rift. <laughs> no, there's not going to be a rift. But I want to say one thing about Reba McIntyre, which is, interesting about country music is that I really love the element of storytelling in country music. Yeah. Like there's such cool, yeah. interesting stories in the actual song. I mean, who cares about things like sounding poetic? If they rhyme, they rhyme and it's a story. Like the song that's really interesting of hers that I, I've listened to a lot is called Fancy and it's the name of also her autobiography, which is available on Audible, which I heard, which is also good. It all ties in. Yeah, it's all, it all ties in. So yeah, that's what I've been listening to. I like that. I yeah. like that. Okay, so we're gonna end this episode talking about what our favorite fun story of the year was our favorite standout news story standout yeah. news story like that thing that's just like 
kind of can't drop it off because it's so fun. And mine actually does overlap with something we've really spoken about. Go on then. It's the Barbie marketing. Oh, right. Right, so... Barbenheimer. 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 Just like all the hype around Barbie. And then I remember I... During the time of Barbie and all the stuff that turned pink, right? <laughs> Everything went Everything pink. Everything was pink. Everything that even was pink before, like, it's I swear pinker. Gaviscon has always been pink. But, <laughs> but I it think just got pinker. It just got pinker. <laughs> and also just capitalised on... Just capitalised. Like, own your Barbiness. Yeah, everything suddenly went... Everything that was pink became Barbie and vice versa. It was just yeah. weird. Um, but then I remember I did get through this uh, PR email at the same time and I was definitely reaching my limit and I got this PR email about um, a dosa cafe that had done pink dosas oh and I was God. like I've had enough <laughs> stop it <laughs> just stop it <laughs> I was like you can't keep doing this dosas are fine we all love Indian style fermented pancakes we don't need to make them pink um, but yeah that was my that was my favourite fun it's very passionate but do, you, do, do, do you know what's great about the whole Barbie Bar- Bar- Heimer whatever Barbie Heimer thing yeah. is that it's a movement that started from the from the ground up like from online culture yeah. and then yeah. it exploded and the, the execs were like hey these kids are onto something and they like <laughs> did a whole thing you know i love i love that that when internet culture actually goes yeah. above like i think that was it was really cool about it yeah there's a word now to describe somebody I'm, who's in internet culture is there a word to describe the person word. or the movement? Like, yeah, or something like the movement. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Let's research Google. it. I'll yeah. Google it later. Not now. Do you want to do your news story? Do you want me to do yes. my story? Um, I think yours. I'll do mine. So mine is really silly, but I love it. Um, it's when Hugh Grant was allegedly rude to Ashley. What's her name? The supermodel Ashley um, on the red carpet for the Oscars when she interviewed him. Graham. Oh. Ashley Graham. And the internet was split. Like, is he rude or is this British humor? Nobody could tell. Oh, the, oh the, I forgot about that moment. Thank you so much. That was, it was so good. And I'll tell you why it's good. It's good because, again, it divides the internet about what is funny. And this whole idea of British humor versus American humor. I love this conversation. Another thing that I loved about this is the fact that, it, it, as journalists, it reminds us that you really need to have, you know, proper journalists on the red carpet who know how to yes. ask questions because I think this really pointed out to the fact that just because you're super famous for whatever reason doesn't mean that you should be on a red carpet asking yeah. questions of actors and third of all I mean that whole scenario starred my favorite leading man Hugh Grant who if anybody follows me on Instagram knows that I am obsessed with Hugh Grant's body of work so it's the fact so that good. he was the center of this <laughs> uh, just made made my year and I, I just love seeing Hugh Grant succeed in life I mean he uh, even on the Oscars he made a hilarious joke with Andy McDowell you know stars of The Four Rings and a Funeral which is one of my favorite films of all time about the fact that he doesn't use moisturizer and she does Uh Mm -hmm. so he looks bad and also he's also in the new Wonka movie as an Oompa Loompa he is is the Oompa Loompa Loompa. called Lofty I believe and Ah. he made a comment on the the press tour about how like look I'm too old to be a rom-com star so now I'm just doing these silly movies to be, you know, like these silly characters, which was he's funny, an icon. but that, he is, he is an yeah, icon. Like what an yeah. icon. Yeah. Come on then, Farah. So that was my, my story. So when I didn't, we did, this is like the only thing we didn't talk about because there are, oh, sorry, drop my pen. Um, there are so many, so I don't think we we're going to have any overlap. And I was a little bit worried that you two were going to come in with something quite highbrow. <laughs> 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 Thank you for not. Um, my moment this year, my cultural moment was... Gwent Patro in court. Oh, oh my God. That, yes. How could we forget that? So this is, was, I, think of I wish this. you well. I mean, yeah. I this wish you year, well. it has, there has been so many celebrity trials, so many celebrity mm. court cases have been played out because in the US, you can have cameras in court. Um, we've seen a lot. 
Gwyneth eclipse them all yeah, obviously did. we aren't making light of some of these because they have been very intense subjects whereas Gwyneth was not it was a snow crash yeah he's, somebody and skied into her back the whole <laughs> the whole thing watching it was that I remember thinking because like one of these two is lying one of the mm. t- they have both got a very different version of events so one of them is just straight up lying and for the whole thing it was just very clear she did not want to be there she saw, she saw this entire thing as an enormous waste of her time it was she was back in Utah which is where the skiing accident took place oh, the skiing accident was in 2016 and they were doing wow. this this year that's how long it's dragged out for the guy she um, the, who she was up against in court was called Terry Sanderson he's a doctor and then obviously everything was kind of ruled in Gwyneth's favour mm. Um, she was uh, my like my favorite line was when it was like have you have you lost anything in this because Sanderson did claim that he impacted his professional career which is obviously terrible um, but now he's been convicted as a fraud so mm. we can um, but have you lost anything Gwyneth she's like yeah well I miss out on half day of skiing <gasps> such a great line oh what my a line God, that's so that's and so every good day she was in court she looked. Perfect. Immaculate. She was in like the row, Celine, her own goop clothes, Prada. Her notebook was. was I mean, yeah. she was just so She is literally Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Uh, so I think the interaction with her and the opposing person's lawyer was yeah. so hilarious because that lawyer was trying to get her five minutes of fame. Oh, for sure. Yes, it was just it was for good. sure. Was, oh, was it, she trying it, to do the Johnny Depp lawyer? Thing? Very much so. That was that was my favorite show of the year. Who cares about Wheel of Time? This the Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> thing was my favorite show of the year. In London, they've turned it into a theatre show. It's also really? a musical, Comedy oh. God. That was only announced last week, I think. Um, so yeah, I leave you with these words. Man's already said them. I wish you well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on our year at Culture Bites. Um, the end of this year. We only started in September. Yeah. We're going to have more to come in the new year. Um, so we all from here at Culture Bites wish you a happy new year. Bye. Bye.